Welcome to High Cheese. It's Friday, January 19, 2024. And let's go to Trump's big Iowa win. He set a record. 51% of the caucus vote he received in the Iowa primary. Or caucus. And this was expected. Trump is up in all the polls. He's beating Biden. He's beating Biden big in the swing states. And it was no surprise. But the far left and the media, they can't handle this. They won't be able to handle a Trump victory. And now the problem isn't Trump. The problem is you. You're making Trump do this. The American people want problems fixed. And the deep state and the media doesn't want it because they want their control. And with that said, I want to go to a clip with uh, Rachel Maddow from MSNBC. And she's essentially saying that Trump's not the problem. The American people are the problem. So let's go to the clip and then we'll come back and discuss. If we are worried about the rise of authoritarianism in this country, we are worried about potential rise of fascism in this country. If we're worried about our democracy falling to an authoritarian and potentially fascist form of government, the leader who is trying to do that is part of that equation. Mm-hmm. But people wanting that Correct. is a yeah. much mm-hmm. bigger part mm-hmm. of that That's equation. Right. And yes, Trumpism is sometimes what we call it. Mm-hmm. MAGA movement is probably a better way to do it. But there is an authoritarian mm-hmm. movement inside yes. Republican politics that isn't being bamboozled by Trump. Mm-hmm. They are pushing Trump That's to yeah. get more and more right. extreme. So it's not Trump. It's you. It's me. We're fascists. We want to put a dictator in power. And all this is, is just cover for them. They're trying to make you feel bad that you're doing something wrong by voting for Donald Trump because you want things fixed. We've got high inflation. We've got wars. We've got a bad economy. We've got leftists taking over our school systems. We've got this deep state running the operations of Washington. And if you don't want that, you want a, you're a fascist. That's what you're calling you. Because they want to run everything. They want this bureaucratic state to run everything. Unelected officials they want to run this country. Not elected officials like Donald Trump. And that's what this is boiling down to. Are the American people going to have a say what goes on in Washington? Or is this swamp, this deep state, this out-of-control bureaucracy in Washington going to control this country? And again, they're trying to make you think that if you vote for Donald Trump, you're a fascist. You want a fascist. And they're calling Donald Trump an authoritarian. And when he gets in office, all he is using is his constitutional abilities as the executive of this country to fix our problems. And that's what they don't want. Because, again, they want to control everything. That's why they're Bolsheviks. And this is fundamental to Bolshevism. They want a small, select few of elites running this country. And if you don't agree with that, you're a fascist. And that's what they're trying to make you think. And the nerve of them, if and when Donald Trump becomes president again, the nerve of them to say this about a duly elected president of the United States, elected by the American people. And this is how warped they are. But again, this is just a psyop for trying to frame 
the MAGA movement as something bad. When in fact, it's probably the biggest movement we've ever had in this country. But again, these Bolsheviks, they can't handle this. And I may be beating a dead horse. They want Joe Biden. They want a weak president, a guy that can't do anything. They can't even walk off stage. They want that. Because it allows them to control everything. They don't want a strong leader. And when they see a strong leader with a strong personality like Donald Trump, fascism. Because you have to understand the nature of bureaucrats, they're essentially weak people in the sense that they'll do what they told, but as long as they keep a level of power, they're fine. And they don't want a strong personality like Trump disrupting everything, making people accountable. Hence, they call him a fascist, authoritarian. So don't get caught up in this whole mad cow thing about trying to frame you as a, a fascist. This is the American people speaking. We know what the problem is. We want to correct it. And the people that are the problem are fighting back by calling you fascists. Now, I want to go to another clip. And this is with uh, Joy Reid. So not only are we fascists, the Iowa win is because of white Christians. They're the problem. White Christians. And the whole implication, white Christians are fascists. So let's go to this clip and then we'll come back and discuss. Is that these, these are white Christians. That this is a state that is overrepresented over by white Christians that are going to participate in these tonight. caucuses, yes. especially tonight. All the things that we think about, about electability, about you know what are people gaming out, or mm-hmm. none of that matters when you believe that God has given you this country, that it is yours, and that everyone who is not a white conservative Christian is a, is a fraudulent American. And quite frankly, I'm not surprised with Joy Reid because she's a racist. If you ask her, she'll tell you that the problem with this country is white people. And everything is about race. And again, did I tell you how this is how Bolsheviks work? Trying to divide people by race? And then she throws in white Christians who feel that the United States is a special place. And it is a special place. But Joy Reid has to throw in there, well, it's only for white people. And this is where she just delegitimizes herself. Because the MAGA movement isn't just white evangelical Christians. It's white Black, Hispanic, Asian, Native American. But she just can't help herself. And then to top things off, MSNBC makes a decision that they're not going to play Donald Trump's Iowa victory speech. Censorship. That's what it is. Censorship. They know better. You're not going to hear the truth. We're not going to allow you to hear the truth. And this is what they're all about. And this is what dictators are. This is what authoritarians are. They suppress speech. And this is what they're doing. And they try to make us believe that, oh, only one person can be a dictator. And they don't want you to believe that a group of people can act like a dictator. The media, deep state, rhinos, dems, 
They all work in tandem to operate like a dictator. But Donald Trump is the dictator. So let's go to this clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. At this point in the evening, the projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. Uh, We will keep an eye on that as it happens. Uh, We will let you know if there's any news made in that speech, if there's anything noteworthy, something substantive and important. Um, The reason I'm saying this is, of course, there is a reason that we and other news organizations have generally stopped giving an unfiltered live platform to remarks by former President Trump. It is not out of spite. It is not a decision that we relish. It is a decision that we regularly revisit. Um, And honestly, earnestly, it is not an easy decision. But there is a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. That is a fundamental truth of our business and who we are. And so his remarks tonight will not air here live. We will monitor them um, and let you know about any news that he makes. And that was Rachel Maddow. And I find it ironic. She says it's not spiteful. Oh, it's spiteful. They don't relish it. Oh, they relish it. And it wasn't an easy decision. Oh, it was an easy decision for them. But people are speaking up. People are just fed up with this. And with that said, I'm going to go to an article from Breitbart. And it's about the coach of Auburn University. And the headline says, Auburn coach Bruce Pearl blasts state-run media, MSNBC, for censoring Trump's Iowa victory speech. And Bruce Pearl posted on X, This is beyond disturbing for our democracy. This is how state-run media operates quietly in a dictatorship, except where they are explaining and openly justifying it. Americans should be able to hear and decide for themselves. Do you want a candidate's speech monitored and censored? Pearl wrote on X. And he's right to the point. But the interesting thing is that this is a college basketball coach that's speaking out. And I find it surprising right now where you have these woke universities. Now, it's in Auburn. Auburn's in a red state, but but you've got a college basketball coach speaking out against this. But this is the battle. I think it was uh, Steve Bannon said, one side's going to win. It's going to be us or them. And it's going to be us. So we shall see. So it's on to the New Hampshire primary for Donald Trump, and that's going to take place next Tuesday. And this has the potential for being a little closer because because New Hampshire allows independents to vote in Republican primaries, and they make it easier for Democrats to switch to becoming independents so they can vote in the Republican primary. And this is all about gaming the system to hurt Trump. And this is democratic. This is how democracies are supposed to work. It's all about gaming the system. And with that said, I want to go to a clip by Donald Trump. And this is from a recent speech that he made up in New Hampshire. So let's go to the clip and then we'll come back and discuss. As you probably know, Nikki Haley is counting on Democrats to think of that. She's damn well, they want to run against her. They're putting a lot of Democrats because they want to, they don't want to run against me. Nikki Haley is counting on Democrats and liberals to infiltrate your Republican primary. By the way, what's that all about? You're the only one 
you're the only one. That's Sununu, I guess, right? The most overrated governor. The, he's not. He's no longer a popular governor. But uh, why does he allow Democrats to vote in the Republican primary? Why does he allow independents and liberals to vote? In the, this is about Republicans, and then we'll bring them in as they start to realize what a great job we're doing, right? But why does he allow Democrats to come in and vote? It's ridiculous. But despite that, we're leading by a lot. And I think it's going to be a little bit like Iowa. We were leading by a lot. And then we broke this record. And some people were surprised, but I wasn't because I saw the enthusiasm. We have the same enthusiasm here. And then we go to Nevada. And Trump was referring to the New Hampshire Governor Sununu, who was backing Nikki Haley. But the media... The political people, they would love for you to think that, oh, independents are just coming out because they love Nikki Haley. And this is all contrived. This is all coordinated and contrived among progressive groups, rhinos, to undermine Donald Trump. And with that said, I want to go to an article. It's uh, uh, from Semaphore. And it says here, Headline says, the progressive push to save Nikki Haley. The effort to convince liberal independents to vote for Nikki Haley is well underway long before the Iowa caucus. It picked up momentum this week as primary pivot super PAC sent 150,000 pieces of mail urging those voters to protect our democracy with a strategic vote for Haley who still trails Trump in the latest polls. We're not going to stop Trump from getting probably 130,000 votes here, said Robert Schwartz, the super PAC co-founder, who said it has raised $650,000 over the last month to spend on messaging. The only way to beat Trump is by changing the denominator, whatever that means. But think about this. You have a far-left group raise $650,000 and did it mailing to 150,000 voters to vote for Nikki Haley. And this isn't cheating, and this isn't unethical behavior, and this isn't, you call this democracy? This is all coordinated. It's coordinated with these far-left groups. I'm sure it's coordinated with the governor of New Hampshire, progressive donors to game this system to undermine Donald Trump. But like Trump says, I think he's going to come out with a big victory here. But you don't read a lot about this in the, newspapers and the mass media this is all the coordination that's going on behind the scenes and most people are saying oh these are just good-natured people now they're all being manipulated by these far-left progressive groups and these rhinos so we shall see so the world economic forum has met this past week in davos and they are all a little worried about donald trump's big victory in Iowa. And with that said, I wanted to go to an article by uh, CNBC. And they're reporting at Davos. And the headline says, Trump's potential return to the White House is a top conversation at Davos. Says Donald Trump is not among the attendees at this year's edition of the World Economic Forum in Davos, but his potential re-election as President of the United States is very much part of the conversation at the Swiss Alpine Resort. Every question I've gotten as I've walked up and down the promenade today, is he coming back, said Tim Adams, president of the Institute of International Finance. So I think there is a lot of interest in that question. 
And what does that mean? And who would be in the key positions, he added. Some Davos participants are already preparing their businesses for a potential Republican leader in the White House. Considering what happened when President Trump was in office, his main interest is trade. So we have to expect trade issues will be very serious, said Takeshi Nanami, CEO of a Japanese drink manufacturer. He added his company is allocating more resources to its operations in the United States so it can protect itself against any trade disputes. He says, we have to produce locally, especially in the United States. We have scenarios to be able to respond to that leadership change, he said. And this is the magical thing about Trump. You've got people here in Davos, CEOs. They're going to start shifting their operations into the United States to protect themselves against Trump. And that's good for America. And that's good for the American people. And it's interesting also that one of the themes of this year's World Economic Forum is restoring trust. They hear the footsteps of Donald Trump. They know that he's ascending again. And they now have to start thinking about programs and policies that are going to restore trust in globalism. But they know they're a dying breed. And they know that they're going to have to change if they're capable. I just don't think they're capable of changing. Because globalism is totally contrary to America first. And I think the only answer ultimately is that they just go away. There's no amount of trust that MAGA is ever going to have for those people in Davos. And they're so arrogant that they think they can find answers to this, and they can't. And with that said, I want to go to a clip with uh, Jamie Dimon. He's the CEO of J.P. Morgan. And he's being interviewed by CNBC at Davos. And he's saying... Well, Trump did some good things. And he also said, we got to stop vilifying MAGA. So let's go to this clip and then we'll come back and discuss. Just take a step back, be honest. He was kind of right about NATO, kind of right about immigration. Mm-hmm. He grew the economy quite well. China, China Ta- virus. Tax reform worked. Mm-hmm. He was right about some of China. I don't, th- I don't like no, what he did. No, I said China virus. Yeah, I understand. He, he may have been right. He, and I don't like how he said things about I Mexico. I don't like, but he wasn't wrong about some of these critical issues. And that's why the voting for him. Democrats have done a pretty good job with the deplorables, but, hugging onto their Bibles and their beer and their guns. I mean, really? Like, can we just stop that stuff and actually grow up and treat other people with respect and listen to them a little bit? Jimmy, and, and I do think the economy will affect. And I think this, this negative talk about MAGA is going to hurt Biden's election campaign. Now, he said some nice things, but now you have to take this with a grain of salt because Diamond is considering running for president in 2028. So I want to take us to another clip. It's with um, Javier Malay. He's the new president of Argentina. Some people have referred to him as Argentina's version of Trump. And he made a speech before the World Economic Forum, and he said some very insightful things. And he points out that the mindset of people at Davos pose a threat to freedom. So let's go to this clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. Good afternoon. Thank you very much. 
Today, I'm here to tell you that the Western world is in danger. And it is in danger because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism and thereby to poverty. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-meaning individuals willing to help others, and others motivated by the wish to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We're here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world. Rather, they are the root cause. Do believe me, no one better place than us, Argentines, to testify to these two points. And that was the English translator of Malay. I'm not sure if you heard Malay speaking Spanish in the background. But let's put this in contrast to one of the welcoming speeches by the EU president, where she announces that the biggest threat to the world today is disinformation and misinformation. And you know what that means? That means anyone that disagrees with the World Economic Forum. And this is what I think Malay is speaking to, because this position of the World Economic Forum just results in suppression of speech. Take a look what happened at MSNBC with Trump. So let's go to this clip and then we'll come back and discuss. For the global business community, the top concern for the next two years is not conflict or climate. It is disinformation and misinformation, followed closely by polarization within our societies. These risks are serious because they limit our ability to tackle the big global challenges we are facing. And this is what gets me with Davos. Who anointed these people to fix the world? That's what gets me. It's all about arrogance, and it's all about their pursuit of power. But the people of the world are onto them. The people of the United States are onto them. And one day, they will just fade away. So we shall see. You know, I am so disappointed in Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House. I understand that he's a Christian, but he has no backbone. He's getting rolled by the Democrats. Now, he helped put through a continuing resolution that would give him and the Democrats more time to finalize this year's budget at a spending level that was similar to Kevin McCarthy's agreement. And you have to understand, this budget that Johnson is negotiating is going to churn out another $2 trillion in debt. We're at $34 trillion right now. This budget's going to churn out another $2 trillion. We'll be at $36 trillion by the end of the year. And as I mentioned in my last episode, the interest to pay our debt right now is nearly the same as our entire defense spending package. So his, his speakership may be in jeopardy. I think the only thing that could save him right now is this supplemental package where we're swapping money for Ukraine for border security. But short of shutting down the entire border, I'm not sure if they're capable of negotiating any real reforms to our border, because I just don't trust the Biden administration's ability in implementing any new laws. So we shall see.
Oh, before I forget, I just want to make a correction to my 2024 predictions where I said that the Republicans were going to flip the Georgia Senate seat this year. And I actually had meant they were going to flip Pennsylvania. Georgia's Senate seat is not up for election this year. So most of the times I get it right. I didn't get this one right. I made a mistake. So I just want to let you know that. So let me give you an update on Fannie Willis. So apparently there's going to be a hearing, I think it's on February 15th, and she was ordered by uh, a judge to respond in writing to the accusations regarding her and her boyfriend being paid $650,000 to prosecute Donald Trump and having the boyfriend take her on these vacations all around the world, which is unethical at the very least and criminal at the worst. Now, and what does Fanny do? She makes a speech before a church and plays the race card. In that speech, she also claims that, hey, I've paid two other friends to prosecute this case. So what's the problem? Well, she didn't tell you that one of the prosecutors that she's paying is her boyfriend, allegedly. So we shall see. Now, I want to play another clip by Trump, and he's talking about these digital dollars that are being pushed by Davos, as well as the Biden administration, and these digital dollars that they want every American to use will result in every action, every transaction being tracked by the government. And just think of the ways that this thing can be abused. Now, say the government comes out one day and says, okay, we, uh, we really urge everybody to start eating healthier, and everybody should lose 15 pounds. And say somebody goes to ShopRite, and they want to buy a box of Twinkies. Well, if that digital dollar is implemented, the government will be able to stop that purchase of Twinkies. No, you can't eat those. That's the power that these digital dollars give to the government. And I, so I, I couldn't get my hands on this um, analysis. I think it was either by the Federal Reserve uh, or the Treasury. And they were talking about digital dollars. And one of the benefits of a digital dollar is, according to them, the government, is that it helps them control society. So with that said, I want to go to this clip with Trump, and then we'll come back and discuss. And tonight, I'm also making another promise to protect Americans from government tyranny. As your president, I will never allow the creation of a central bank digital currency. You know about I didn't know you know so much. I'm very, well, New Hampshire, very smart people. Very, uh, very current. You know what they're doing. Such a currency would give a federal government, our federal government, the absolute control over your money. They could take your money. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even know it was gone. This would be a dangerous threat to freedom, and I will stop it from coming to America. Now, these central bank digital dollars are different than cryptocurrency. Now, I own some crypto. Now, what cryptocurrency is, it's a decentralized form of currency, and it allows people to transact in different currencies, but it's private. And the government has to jump through hoops in order to track where that currency is going on an individual basis. So my kudos to Trump on this one. You know, I've often said that these people that are in charge of our government today are dumb. And with that said, I want to go to an article from the New York Post. And it says here, it might be time to stop 
flying those friendly skies, America, the FAA has gone all in DEI. The agency in charge with overseeing airlines, plane makers, airports, and every other aspect of civil aviation in America has undertaken a diversity push meant to bring in workers whose inborn limitations make them plainly unsuitable for high-stakes, high-pressure roles. The full list of disabilities targeted for special emphasis in recruitment and hiring includes severe intellectual disability, psychiatric disability, and a whole host of other ailments. You read that right. The severely intellectually disabled and the psychiatrically disabled, that's a euphemism for crazy, will now be involved in making sure that planes don't hit the ground or each other. Worse still, the agency won't even say which jobs these targeted hires will be doing, responding with opaque babble when pressed for comment on just where a severely intellectually disabled person fits into the overall organizational chart. Again, this is dumb. Think about it. Say you hire a Hannibal Lecter type as an air traffic controller. Bright guy, but he's crazy. And the government says, no, we've got to be diverse. So let's hire him. And he starts smashing planes into each other in the sky. What is wrong with these people? So we shall see. Okay, thank you very much for listening. You have a good week, and I will talk to you next Saturday.